Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for The View from the Opposition. This week it comes from Stamford Bridge. I'm joined by Scott Trotter, who is a Chelsea writer for Football London. Scott, thank you very much for popping on to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Thank you very much for having me. You've had a busy few days, haven't you? I mean, we were going to talk, obviously, about the football, about Chelsea being in excellent form, about the quality players they've got and about their aspirations for Champions League. Uh, qualification and what have you and then the news off the field that I think many people had been expecting I know we don't want to talk too much about politics but it is a massive part of um, Chelsea's season now and a big part of what's come on Sunday given you cast United fans will be the last away fans allowed into Sanford Bridge for um, for the foreseeable future until at least Robin Van Rich gets to sell the club of course I am talking about the Chelsea owner being sanctioned by the UK government for his close ties to uh, Vladimir Putin, the Ukraine war, which of course is grabbing all the headlines. It's a it's a horrendous conflict. The images that we're watching on the news and seeing in the newspapers, absolutely heartbreaking. Um, from my point of view, I think this is the right thing to do by the UK government. It does mean Roman Van Rijs' uh, assets have all been frozen. That includes what he can do with Chelsea. They have been granted a special license, which means they can operate as a football club. Just provide us your insights, Scott, into what was going on with Chelsea and how these sanctions are going to impact them. Yeah, so it's been a bit of a, a crazy time uh, for Chelsea in general. We've had kind of the announcements that Abramovich was obviously looking to sell the club um, as a result of, well, not necessarily as a result of everything else happening, but in the same time. Um, so those announcements came around games, the League Cup final, um, the eve of that was the first one. So it's kind of impact and preparation straight away um the club have played quite well in that time but it's obviously going to be on every player's minds um and then yesterday morning Roman Abramovich was added to the list of uh Russians who have kind of been sanctioned as you said his assets have been frozen but Chelsea have been provided I think it's uh Russian regulations or restrictions uh license to carry on until the end of the season that lasts until may 31st for the time being though i think it can be kind of revoked extended and all those kind of things um they like say it probably wasn't a surprise that something has happened um perhaps depending on your view a surprise it didn't happen sooner um from the government i think i think that's kind of what sprung it a little bit it, there was that delay there and perhaps many thought that it was just going to kind of allow the club to be sold and would move on um this license obviously enables the club to play. They can still um, pay the money to host matches, though that's capped it, I think, half a million pounds, and that's for the steward and the caterer and those kind of things, like at Stamford Bridge. And then any away trips are capped at £20,000, though I think there might be a degree of flexibility in there. Um, but that's probably going to impact Chelsea's European trips to Lille on um, next week and things like that. Um, 
we obviously have the talk of how it's going to impact contracts and transfers. They're not allowed at the moment. I know I've seen a few things about Rudiger been linked to Newcastle in recent days. Um, so they obviously can't move forward with anything like that, although how likely it was anyway is kind of a bit up in the air as well. Um, but I think the big kind of issue at the minute is, is the sponsorships. Three have obviously announced their intention where they've requested to... Um, Kind of have their sponsorship suspended for the time being. Hyundai are considering their position. And we've seen a lot of reports about Nike doing the same thing, and that's their deal's worth obviously millions and millions of pounds. Um, and that does bring with it a degree of uncertainty about Chelsea's finances, how long they could continue to obviously pay players, staff. Um, because obviously this is an issue not just for the first team, but the women's team, the academy and everybody else. I think there was reports yesterday of even like the hotel at Stamford Bridge aren't taking new bookings, obviously, to try and limit the funds that can possibly go to Abramovich. Um, there's obviously kind of a bit displeasure with what has happened to the club. Um, I think a lot of people feel like fans have obviously been impacted because they can't go and buy tickets um, to attend the matches, um, whether that be the away trips or kind of going forwards if you haven't got a season ticket. Um, if you do have a season ticket, you can still make payments towards that. So they'll be fine for the rest of the season. Um, but financially, the position it leaves the club in is difficult. The potential sale is probably going to be slowed down, I guess, because um, the government have said they perhaps can work something out to allow the club to be sold, but obviously on the provision that Abramovich sees none of the money at all. Um, and he can't obviously recoup his costs. That obviously leaves groups kind of considering their positions. I think there still seems to be a number of them who want to move forward and obviously take on the club. Um, Nick Candy, I think, is the main guy who's been speaking today. And he's kind of said that you don't really have football as you're a custodian for the fans. And I think many people would agree with that view, but obviously what can be done at the minute kind of much like everything else remains up in the air. Um, and yeah, it's, it's tricky. I think the football will continue. Tom Stuckel said last night, as long as they've got some kit and a bus to get to matches, they'll be fine. But there is just that degree of uncertainty about the position that leaves kind of employees at the club in and, they say how long the money can last when they aren't getting the sort of full usual entitlement through tickets and like. And the fans you mentioned there, some feel that the club has been hard done by. They can't go to games. Um, we've seen in recent games the chanting of the owner's name, which has been rightly criticised by by many. What is the feeling amongst the families? Is that a minority? Is that a majority? I know I appreciate that's a bit of a tough question, but what what is can you just provide our listeners with a bit of insight there? Yeah, it's it's really difficult to kind of pin down, really. I think it, it kind of goes without saying that most, if not all, Chelsea fans have some support for Ukraine and their hearts go out to Ukraine and what is happening there. I think what the difficulty kind of lies in is um kind of, you obviously can't put politics to the side, but if you do, kind of, Roman Bavarovich changed Chelsea in the last 20 years. They've had success that they obviously hadn't had in a long time. Um, he's put a lot of money into the club. The academy's developed. And 
I think what is kind of probably touched a lot of fans more is that he seemed perhaps more of a fan than a businessman. And while how he kind of generated his funds and stuff like that is obviously out there in the press and kind of up to the up for debate of how ethical or moral it was um, in some eyes. Uh, as you say, this is probably something that has had to be done um, and has rightly been done. But I think there is that kind of element of this has been allowed for the past two decades. Um, the government obviously has paused and waited. Um, so I think it's easy for supporters to almost kind of feel scapegoated in situations like this. And because that connection in a lot of eyes is not clear cut, particularly in recent years, I think they feel that um, Abramovich has probably been scapegoated a little bit as well. Um, again, perhaps not a character you should feel any sympathy for, but when perhaps the government has taken on money from or still taken Russian oil and obviously has their own connections to uh, kind of Russian influences, I think there's that degree of hypocrisy there. And because of the way football fandom is, it gets tied up a little bit. And you do have instances like we saw in the grounds. Um, like you say, I, I don't think many would condone um, the chanting during that kind of moments of pause for Ukraine. But I think there is a lot of, I guess, thanks for Abramovich and what he's done for the club. Um, again, should you take it in isolation? Maybe not. But when you look at a football club and what he's done for football, it, it has improved Chelsea a great deal. In terms of Sunday then, so this is the last game that away fans will be in the stands, the last game the home end will be allowed to sell out. What are you expecting in terms of the reaction from the fan base? Is it going to be one, and I'm talking about the home fans here, is it going to be one of a kind of a, a defeated attitude? Is it going to be one where we're all together? Uh, I think the word of the party atmosphere would be the wrong term of phrase. So do excuse that phrase that I'm using. You can provide me with a better one. But you get the kind of what I mean. This is kind of the last hurrah until these sanctions um, are, are lifted. And I, again, I will state, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that is probably the wrong phrase to use given what it's connected to. But you, you guys listen, we'll get my point. What are you expecting, Scott, then from the fans on Sunday? I think, I guess as you'd expect, regardless of the situation, it's probably going to feel like quite a backs to the wall kind of thing. And I think the atmosphere probably will respond to that. Um, as uncomfortable it is, I think there probably will be some Roman Brownwich chance. I think the matches um, and the kind of away trips have already kind of signposted that. Um, but I do think that the crowd will get behind the team because it almost needs to serve as a reminder for what football is as well. Um, before and after Abramovich, there'll be a Chelsea fans supporting Chelsea players at Stamford Bridge. And I think that's what will and hopefully will continue regardless of any financial situation that is forthcoming. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think it, it should be a good support at the weekend, um, a good atmosphere. And like you say, just because of you don't know what to expect next. I, I do think the club is in kind of negotiations with the government to see if any alterations can be made to the licence just to kind of ease these issues, particularly kind of on the match days and to try and function um, in a way. Because I think that, again, I probably should have touched on this before. I think this is one of the other issues that 
it seems like there should be a way for Abramovich not to benefit from Chelsea's finances while the club can still act and run, even if it's just the money sitting in a pot. They're still allowed to have kind of transfer fees income in that they're owed, and that gets put to one side. Um, so it seems kind of perhaps silly is not the right word, but this, this it feels like there should be somewhere where the club can still function, even if they like, say that money sits there for paying of debts or for the next donor or anything like that, because it is a difficult time where potentially people's jobs become at risk. In terms of the football, then they beat Norwich. It was the first game after these sanctions had been announced. They, they dominated the game largely from, from what I saw. How are they how are they going to approach the game on Sunday? Are you expecting largely the same where Chelsea will be on top for, for the most part and they'll be looking to, to get all three points? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, Eddie Howe has a pretty good record against Chelsea, I think. Um, Newcastle have been playing well, but if they can get Newcastle to come out and attack a little bit, which I think has been the inclination a little bit more this season, I think that kind of opens up Chelsea's front three possibilities as well. Um, if they have had a struggle this season, that's perhaps been generating chances, um, good chances. And we kind of obviously seen how that's played out with Romelu Lukaku. Um, though I'm guessing he probably won't start at the weekend. Um, if they do have that bit extra space to open up, they do kind of find success and they do have good players. Um, Chelsea's success in a large part when they've played at the very best has been through the wing backs. That position has been fraught with injuries this season. Reese James looks to be out again um, for another few weeks. And I think it was Sal and Aspilicueta played there last night. Aspilicueta went off with illness. Um, so they are kind of limited compared to what they would like to be in those positions, but they've got so much talent throughout the team that they would like to think they could pull through and get the job done, I think. And in terms of these sanctions which have been placed on Chelsea, I guess from a Chelsea point of view, the reaction last night against Norwich was, in terms of a football point of view, exactly what you wanted to see. How easy is it going to be for the manager to keep that going? Because... For is is all that he can say. As long as we've got the kits and 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 a bus, we'll play. And you know, it will be a distraction. There's no getting away from it. I mean, you can't you can't run from what's happening. You know, your, your, your club that you're managing is on, you know, the back and front of all the newspapers for largely the wrong reasons in terms of the the, the politics side of it. So, how big of a task has Tuchel got? Yeah. So. Tuchel, I guess there's two elements. There's the with the players and the amount he's had to face the press. Um, he's kind of had to be almost the PR arm of, of the club recently because as always with these things, perhaps people higher up who do actually have more of an answer, they kind of aren't out in the front. And Tuchel is left in front of, you know, tens of press members every few days to kind of answer these questions. And while the kind of video of them kind of, kicking off a little bit um, with the media is the one that circulated in general. He probably dealt with it brilliantly, to be honest. He's not shied away. Despite that clip, he's really not shied away from the issues. Um, he's perhaps kind of talked up around Ridge's role as the owner and kind of how he's benefited Chelsea a little bit too much for some people, but he's kind of dealt with why football isn't the big thing um, in these scenarios and kind of accepts everything that's coming. Um, from the football perspective, 
I know when they kind of announced the sale of the club um, and what that was kind of the plan. He hadn't spoken to the players a great deal about it. Um, he was aware that the players were talking about it, um, but he saw his role as kind of to get on with the football, to prepare, and that's kind of where the energy can be directed and funneled. Uh, given the last sort of 24 hours, the talk is obviously going to be a lot more in the dressing room, I think. I think that's unavoidable. Um, but I think his position in general, rather than kind of going into specifics with the players, he lets kind of Petr Marina uh, Granovskaya deal with those issues because they're the people in the know and they have kind of been in conversation. Um, but yeah, I think Tuchel, he just sees this as somewhere where they can, a space where they can relax and play football and direct their attention towards that and being successful will only kind of exaggerate that point, I guess. In terms of Chelsea's approach and style that they'll bring against Newcastle in recent weeks, Newcastle have very much had their backs to the wall. They had a digging deep against Brighton, had a digging deep against Southampton, had a digging deep um, at the end against Aston Villa as well. But they came away with, with nine points. Do you think we'll see a similar kind of game between the two teams where Chelsea will just be throwing everything at, at Newcastle and it will be, have to be another solid defensive display from the Magpies? Yeah, probably. Um, Chelsea and the vast majority of matches end up seeing a lot more of the ball than the opposition. Um, whether the transitions are always quick enough to challenge the opposition, like I kind of mentioned before, that has been the issue. But um, since they started, Havertz is like the kind of lead guy with the likes of Mount Ziyech, Pulisic. Their interactions have been tested for defences. Um, if Newcastle do have the inclination to move forward, I think that's when they'll really get the test. Chelsea will really look to get in behind. Um, but otherwise, it is probably going to be a backs-to-the-wall job. Um, Matteo Kovacic in the midfield kind of carrying the ball. He's probably been Chelsea's star player this season. Um, and perhaps one of the names people wouldn't have expected to be. Um, and everything kind of, like I say, builds up through those wing-backs. Um, Tuchel loves kind of the three central defenders with the wing-backs and kind of regardless of injury has kind of persisted with that. Um, there's been a few times where they've played a four, but that has kind of like been his bread and butter. Um, we'll have to see what happens kind of on the right side of that, given, uh, like I say, Espelicueta went off uh, with illness at halftime last night, but everything is through the wing backs and that'll be kind of the big test um, for Newcastle, I think. They've obviously got uh, Dan Byrne in the centre for the big crosses, but um, those kind of neat bits of play that kind of feed into the box rather than like from the bylines. Um, that'll, that'll be really tricky, I think. And in terms of the key man for Chelsea, I mean, you've got so many to pick from. Mason Mount had another really good game against against Norwich. He's uh, playing a, a bit of form. Is he potentially the key man Newcastle have to stop or is it someone else that springs to mind? Yeah, it's really tricky um, depending on who plays, to be honest, at the minute. Uh, he's not frightened to kind of rotate a little bit, but yeah, Mount is, does seem to have struck up a bit of a connection with Habits, and he was the kind of one of the few people who did get on Lukaku's wavelength as well. So he definitely has some ability. I think a lot of people probably would say he's not had the season this year that he had last year, but I think his stats of goals and assists kind of rang up there with most players this season. Um, Kovacic, if he plays, he's kind of crucial to Chelsea getting the ball moving. Um, he's like super important. And then even at the back, I think while 
Chelsea kind of often don't get tested as much as they could do at the back. Thiago Silva has been incredible this season. Um, I was perhaps sceptical when he came in. You see the agent defender come to the club from another league, um, but he has really, really been incredible. And alongside Antonio Rudiger, who kind of plays every game, he didn't play against Norwich, but outside of that, he's just never rested. Um, they go a long way to setting the tone from the back. And while Chelsea have at times looked actually vulnerable at the back, and Newcastle, I imagine, will test them. I think in those individual moments, they really shine. Um, but yeah. I don't think when you mention Mesmont, you can look far past him as hoping he provides something, um, given like the situation with the wing backs in particular. You mentioned Des that they've looked vulnerable at times at the back of Chelsea. Is I mean, how can you castle get the best of them? Is is there a, is there a certain secret that you can share with Eddie Howe? <laughs> um, well, I guess he might know better than most with Bournemouth, but I think the team that has kind of shown the most success against Chelsea, obviously Man City, like kind of goes without saying this year, but um, Brighton twice have probably outplayed Chelsea. Um, they didn't come away with the three points that they might have wanted from it, but they just weren't frightened to take Chelsea on and kind of press them in every moment. And that kind of disrupted the build-up play and kind of, I say, just left them in those moments where there could be doubt. Um, and I think that was what was really big. Um Throughout the season, Chelsea have went through patches where they've played really well, particularly when Reese James and Ben Chilwell were fit. But early in the season, even when Chelsea were top of the league, they were conceding a lot of shots. Um, you, the teams obviously then need to capitalise on them. So if Newcastle can generate those chances, they'll have to take advantage. But yeah, just really pressing, um, especially again, to mention it, on those wings. Um, Tarek Lamptey um, for Brighton, particularly at Stamford Bridge. He really put pressure on Reese James and Marcus Alonso on that flank. Yeah, what's well, unfortunate, Kieran Trippier won't be playing for Newcastle because I'm sure he would have been a key element if indeed that was the Magpies' plan at Stamford Bridge on Sunday. Just to finish off, then, Scott, give me your score prediction. How's this one going to go? Ooh. It's really tricky with Newcastle's form, I think. Um, Chelsea do feel like they've found some rhythm again. Um, I think 45 minutes last night, they, they were very good if, if it didn't carry on in the second half. Um, I think I'll go 3-1 Chelsea. I think um, despite how impressive Newcastle have been in recent weeks, they've just been able to kind of find those moments. I think Chelsea will find enough just to capitalise and put enough distance in between them, I think. I hope you're wrong. I'm going to go for Newcastle win. I did mention this on the preview podcast episode with John Gibson. I think Newcastle are going to sneak a win here and uh, continue this great unbeaten run that they're on and, and claw themselves further away from the relegation zone, which will be absolutely superb from a Newcastle point of view. Scott, thank you for popping on to the Everything is Black and White podcast. You can find Scott over on football.london. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we'll keep the date with all the latest Newcastle news, including all the reaction to Newcastle's win over Southampton and all the build-up to the Chelsea game on Sunday. And please remember to like and follow the podcast.